This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. And welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And great to be joined by Rick Horton, of course, part of the Cardinals Radio Network, also Fox Sports Midwest, and a guy who has a lot of familiarity with this Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. Rick, how are you, man? I'm doing great, and, and I love talking this Hall of Fame uh, stuff with you, Rabes. We've done it uh, the last couple of years, and, and I, I just find it to be as uh, as quintessential St. Louis Cardinal as you could be talking about the Cardinal Hall of Fame because the, the fans respond to it. I mean, I just love it. I love the event every year, uh, and it kind of starts with, uh, with the announcement of who's on the ballot. Yeah, it certainly did, and the ballot once again in alphabetical order. Steve Carlton, Keith Hernandez, Tommy Herr, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, Lee Smith, and John Tudor. And I think we'll do it like this, Rick. You're going to be with us the rest of this hour for a couple of segments, and you have different relationships and experiences with all of these guys. And let's start with the three guys that you played with. And you're lucky enough to say that you played with three of the gentlemen who are on this year's ballot. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and one of them, a Hall of Famer in his own right, Lee Smith, and a, a, a baseball Hall of Famer. And we're so excited that Lee was able to get in there. But Lee Smith, John Tudor, and Tom Herr, all guys I kind of went to war with. You know, I mean, you, just, you have a different relationship and a different feel for those guys. So I got to admit, I'm a little biased about about that era. Uh, you know, thinking about the, the contributions, especially of the 80s of Tom Herr and John Tudor. Lee Smith uh, came in the 90s and, and had really some of his best years as a Cardinal. But those three... You know, and really all seven certainly very deserving, but I have a little, uh, I guess, a little bias when it comes to guys that uh, that I know really well. Yes, yeah, certainly you know all of them well. Let's uh, well, let's start with a fellow pitcher, and we'll start with John Tudor. You know, a guy who's been on the ballot before, Rick, and certainly both Tudor and Tom Herr, part of the great 80s teams. I know that you've had a chance to watch Birds of a Different Game, the MLB Network that was premiered at Ballpark Village a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about John Tudor over the last year because when you think about great seasons and great halves of seasons, especially from a pitcher, Tudor, Jack Flaherty, both those guys stand out over the past few decades. Yeah, no question. It was historic what John Tudor was able yeah. to do in 1985. And, you know, you don't even have to be, uh, I think, maybe a fan of the 80s to, to kind of remember just how good those numbers were. I mean, if you're a Cardinal fan, you've heard about them uh, it was uh, just amazing what he did, and it, you know I watched every every bit of that, and I saw a guy who was throwing 85 to 87 miles an hour and, and had an okay curveball, but he was basically fastball changeup, absolutely dominate uh, the game of baseball and from a from a pitching standpoint, and and he was the reason that uh, you know I had a chance to be in two World Series in 85 and 87, uh, and and of course I was with him in 88 with the Dodgers as well, which is not uh, germane to this discussion, but but so I know. John extremely well. Let me say this: having watched the the documentary raves, which I thought was uh, was fun to watch, and you know my only kind of little cameo in that was pouring champagne on Pat Perry's head, which, which I'm okay with because I felt like kind of a, a bystander for most of that anyway. A contributor, yes, but but kind of just watching these great players play, and John Tudor was one of them. But but as I watched the documentary, here's the thought that I had: no one. Uh, would benefit more from being a Cardinal Hall of Famer on on this list than John Tudor. John Tudor says in that documentary at the end, when he talked about Game 7 of the 85 World Series, I just didn't pitch well, I had a bad day, and that's what I remember the most. I want to change the memory of John Tudor to not that moment, not that one game that he lost in Game 7, but the contribution that he made over those period of years uh, to Cardinals baseball, which uh, I believe was extraordinary. 
from a starter to a guy who was pretty darn extraordinary at the end of games. How about Lee Smith? You mentioned he gets the call last year to the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, and you talk about just an intimidating closer. Uh, Not many more intimidating in the history of the game than Lee Arthur Smith. Well, I watched him play with the Cubs all those years, and and we just felt like we could. I mean, we'd be lucky to literally see the ball. It was it was pre pre lights at Wrigley, so he'd come in often in the uh, in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning of games in Wrigley in the in the early and mid eighties, and and it would just be devastating. His slider is so good, uh, but being a teammate of his, I found the the, the, the delightful Lee Smith and the forty save uh, years that he had with the Cardinals. Again, arguably his best years at, towards the end with the Cardinals, which I think helped him solidify his role as a Hall of Fair. You know, he's not in the Hall of Fame as a Cardinal necessarily, but 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 I think those years were important to him, uh, and of course important to the to the Cardinals team. I, I love Lee Smith as a teammate, uh, and and I don't think it's. Uh, it's it's really hard to say he was the best reliever at the time, but but, but I think people really overlooked him uh, for too long. I mean, you know, all those career saves, and people would say, yeah, but you know, what about the playoffs? And well, you know, you can't you can't do it all by yourself. And, and Lee certainly deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. In your case, he deserves to be in the Cardinal Hall of Fame uh, on 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 the heels of that. He leads the team with 11 RBIs, as we've mentioned, three game winners. He can pick up the game winner here and have four game winners and six victories. Base is loaded. Two outs. Bottom of the tenth. Tied at eight. Orozco ready to throw the first pitch to her, and he hits it a mile. Tommy Herr could have a grand slam. Tommy Herr does. Tommy Herr belts a tenth inning grand slam home run. And the Cardinals beat the New York Mets for the second straight. Also, Tom Herr, uh, those teams in the 80s and certainly up the middle with Ozzie Smith. What a pair that was. A guy who uh, finished fifth in MVP voting in that incredible 1985 season. And, man, shades of of similarities, Rick, maybe to last year with the uh, certainly season in the second half that Jack Flaherty and also Colton Wong had at second base. Tom Herr, what a player. And great to always see Tom around the ballpark and uh, around the Cardinals organization. Yeah, Tom Herr was a terrific player in the 80s and really a team leader of that club, too. I maybe underestimated in terms of uh, or undervalued as how much of a leader he was. But I can tell you from the inside, when the game was over, people would want to know what Tom Herr thought about the game and, and why we won or lost. He was a lot like what we perceive Yadier Molina to be uh, today and what he actually is, is a guy like an extra coach on the field. Tom Herr always knew what was going on. Very, very astute baseball guy. He, uh, he had that year in 1985 where he uh, drove in more than 100 runs and had less than 10 home runs, which is almost unthinkable for somebody that loves the game of baseball in 2020. That's just not the way the game is right now. But Tom was a smart player, an outstanding defender, and if it wasn't for knee injuries, he'd have been up there with uh, with Willie Ozzie and and Vince stealing uh, 60, 70, 80 or more stolen bases. He could absolutely fly as a minor leaguer, but got uh, injured and still was able to do that. Uh, but as a switch hitter uh, and a team leader, uh, he was just uh, such an integral part of those 80s teams. That's Rick Horton again talking about the three guys that he's played with, John Tudor, Lee Smith, and Tom Herr. We'll get to a couple of great guys on the ballot that Rick played against in our next segment. Hey, finish celebrating Valentine's weekend with Valentine's Brunch at Cardinals Nation on Sunday, February 16th. This $45 brunch includes a bottomless mimosa, Bloody Mary, and Bellini Bar, plus free admission to the Cardinals Museum. Reserve your table today at cardinals.com. We're back with more with Rick Horton as we talk the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. The Missouri Valley Conference Tournament is coming to St. Louis, and we want to help you get there by giving away six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2020 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, March 5th through the 8th. For more information on the MVC Games, go to archmadness.com. We will take caller number three right now at 314-531-1120 for a six-pack of tickets to any single session. 
Now Hernandez trying to drive in a run. Swings in a long one to center field. Way back is office near the wall. And it's up against the wall. The run is in to make it two to nothing. And there goes Hernandez for third. They're going to bring him home. He's going to try to score. The throw home. Late. Inside the park home run. And he's exhausted at home plate. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. And it's great to have Rick Horton with us all this hour as we talk Cardinals Hall of Fame. The new ballot is out. Seven hopefuls who fans can vote on beginning in March. And Rick, we talked in our last segment about three guys that you played with. uh, John Tudor, Lee Smith, and Tom Herr. How about a couple of guys that you've played against? And oh my goodness, Steve Carlton. Another Hall of Famer, Keith Hernandez, MVP with the Cardinals. That's uh, about as good as it gets when you think about pitching from the left side, when you think about you know, a defensive first baseman, a guy who could do it all in Keith. And uh, two worthy adversaries for you. Yeah, as we mentioned, all seven of the people on the ballot are certainly worthy of eventually being in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. You know, kind of my heart is for John Tudor, as I mentioned in the last segment, because I know how much it would mean to him, but but I also think it would mean a lot to Keith Hernandez, too. And, and so let me start with him of, of guys I played against. And I also could say that I played with him if you count a spring training that I didn't make the team. So at least I was around Keith. Uh, my my feeling about him is, is as good a clutch hitter and as good a defensive first baseman as you're ever going to see in the game of baseball. You know, I'm still around Keith a lot as, as he's a broadcaster with the Mets. And, and I know that he cherishes – and loves his time in St. Louis. And, you know, the departure from St. Louis was, was not, a, not a pretty one in, in a lot of ways, but you look back at what he meant to that 82 uh, team uh, with the Cardinals and kind of the, the kind of the rebirth of Cardinal baseball under Whitey Herzog, you know, Keith Hernandez was right at the center of that. And uh, a, a terrific hitter, uh, big numbers. He played for the Cardinals a lot longer than people realize. You think of him as a Met if you follow him throughout his career, but he was a Cardinal for a long, long time. A lot of hits, a terrific player, outstanding defender. And I, he's the answer to my question, Ray. People always say, who's the guy that you gave the, had the most trouble with and who's the guy that you kind of got out all the time? Well, different question would be, who's the guy you liked pitching to the most and loved the battle the most? That answer for me is Keith Hernandez because he was such a smart hitter. I could, I could just see him thinking at the plate – I try to outthink him. You know, he had moderate success, and I had moderate success at times against him. But the point is, I loved competing against Keith Hernandez, and I consider him to be a friend. Rick, let's talk about Steve Carlton, a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame and one of the best left-handers I think uh, that anyone has, has seen. And, you know, you think, unfortunately, about what could have been if he had remained with the club right. and maybe had been on some of those 80s teams with that defense. I don't know uh, if he would have lost a game. Just an incredible guy. Great to see him around over the last couple of years. And, uh, man, certainly I'm sure someone that it was always fun and interesting to go head-to-head against. Oh, he, and he's interesting to talk to, too. I mean, this guy is some kind of thinker. And, uh, and you know, you think about that in baseball, you can, you're can you either right-handed or you're left-handed. I mean, there's no other choice. I guess you can be a switch hitter. But as far as a pitcher, you're either a lefty or a righty. And a generation of people, if you said lefty, they knew you were talking about Steve Carlton. Think about that. All the left-handed pitchers in the game during a, a 20-, 30-year period, and if you say lefty, anybody that played during that time knew you were talking about Steve Carlton. Now, maybe when you know it was Lefty Grove's era, they would think about Lefty Grove. But 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 Steve Carlton was that good, that dominant, that nasty with his slider, uh, a supreme strikeout pitcher, but a great competitor and an incredible athlete too. Uh, you know, this guy worked very hard uh, to get to that Hall of Fame status, and and again had those great years with the Cardinals and and and, and terrific years with the Phillies, where he won half their games one year and in in, 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 a, in a season. I mean, it was just so dominant, uh, but you know, Steve's uh, certainly was a part of those uh, World World Series teams in the '60s, and uh, you know, he's he's an important guy in Cardinal baseball and always will be. Rick Horton with us. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren as we work our way through the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. Again, uh, we talked about John Tudor, Lee Smith, Tom Herr, guys that Rick played with. Also, Steve Carlton and Keith Hernandez. Rick played against them, and we'll talk about a couple of guys that Rick has covered and has been around who have been a part of some incredible Cardinal teams. That's next as we continue on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren back in a moment in the St. Louis Network. 
It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Cardinals single-game tickets go on sale Friday, and they start at just $5. The upcoming season is filled with sensational matchups, including two Cubs weekends, also the Yankees in town for a rare weekend series and more details at cardinals.com. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you, and we are joined by Rick Horton on the Cardinals Radio Network as we talk Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot. Rick, we've worked through the first five guys on the ballot. Uh, Steve Carlton, Keith Hernandez, John Tudor, Lee Smith, and Tom Herr. And how about two guys that both spent, uh, well, a pretty good half a decade with the Cardinals from right around 2000 through about 2005, Matt Morris and Edgar Renteria, two guys that you covered and two guys that were parts of incredible, incredible Cardinal teams. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching both of these two guys play. And I think about Matt Morris when he first came to the big leagues, I thought he had the drive and the stuff to be a guy. And this is how I always thought of him, uh, Chris, as a guy that could be another Bob Forsh. And, and I don't mean that they pitched exactly the same, but I thought that he could get to the level of uh, Cardinal stardom that, that Bob Forsh had in terms of career victories and, and that he would be a Cardinal forever. Now, unfortunately, he had injuries at some point that cur- curtailed that, but, but he had such a great start to his career, and he was so important, so durable. Uh, he was out there every day. I think about the, the when he did come back from his, from his injury, they put him in the bullpen, and he was terrific there too. I mean, he just the, the guy just knew how to com- compete, and, and, and that's what I think of him mostly as as a competitor, a guy that was just, you know, give me the ball, a little Danny Cox to him perhaps, as a guy that just, you know, Jack Flaherty uh, in, in, in 2020, a guy that just had that little edge to him maybe, uh, and but Morris certainly had the great numbers as well, and, and I enjoyed watching him too. Yeah, certainly, you know, when we use the term gamer, that guy. And yeah. you know what's yeah. special when you're, A, making the postseason and in position to play big games, but then, B, when you have that guy that you feel confident giving the ball to. Yeah, and, and that's and that's not easily uh, findable. I mean, you, you think about a guy that can play. I mean, everybody gets to the big leagues can play. But, but if you've got a game that you have to win, you know, who do you hand the ball to? And, and again, I mentioned Danny Cox, who's, who's a guy from my era that – it'd be like, man, I give the ball to him any day because I know he's going to compete and give his best and he's going to rise to the occasion. And, and you know, I feel like that's you know, Matt Morris was a, was a was a big game pitcher. He was a reliable guy. And, again, it, you know, the, the injury, I think, changed him a little bit and maybe towards the end of his career when he started moving around, played with the Giants, played with the Pirates. Uh, we didn't get all the best of Matt Morris, didn't have the longevity perhaps that we wanted to – to, to see from him, uh, but you know th- that's out of his control. What what he could control was terrific, and and again, I loved watching Matt Morris pitch. Rick Horton is with us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. As we talk about the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot, fans are going to have a tough decision beginning in March when they can go to cardinals.com slash hof and vote for the two guys that will be inducted this summer and last but not least in this great group of seven Edgar Renteria another guy who was just a part of some really really uh remarkable Cardinal teams there a guy who got MVP votes a couple of times with the Cardinals Rick he won two gold gloves uh he won three silver sluggers he was a a three-time all-star with the Cardinals what a career for Edgar Renteria and some big 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 time uh years and some big offensive years uh not just the defense but in an era when, you know, there were some guys that were maybe more offensively inclined than defensively inclined at that position. He was a guy who was about as well-rounded as they came. Yeah, and you could make an argument that he's the first shortstop that you can think of in the Cardinal history that you'd think, boy, he might hit a home run the other way. Think about that. I mean, the era that he played. I mean, this guy had power to right. That was kind of his almost his power alley was right center or right field. He had a closed stance and would just drive the ball with authority the other way. And it's, and this is of course not uh, unusual. Now we've got Paul DeYoung hitting home runs and, and every, every other shortstop in the big leagues doing it as well. But, but when he played, that was kind of an anomaly that, that it may be the beginning of that. And, 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 you know, he was the capitan. I mean, the captain of that team, that's what the players called him. And, and they did that because they respected him. Uh, you know, he had a kind of a quiet personality, didn't talk a lot, but he led, I think, extremely well in the clubhouse. Uh, you mentioned his defense. He ran well, the gold gloves. Uh, just a steady, steady player, and, and, and maybe that's not even good enough word, steady plus. I mean, he's a guy that you could absolutely count on. 
you know, he had that big moment as a young player playing with the, with the Marlins that, uh, you know, maybe defined him uh, as, as an overall baseball player in some ways. Uh, but I think he continued that on in St. Louis and, and had all those great years and, and uh, obviously a fan favorite as well. Yeah, Rick Horton with us on Cardinals Countdown Opening Day presented by Ammer. And I'm talked about and reflected about what it was like to play with these guys, to play against these guys. What was it like for you to become a broadcaster and to, you know, grow as a broadcaster and be around the team and that part of your career once your playing days were over and to also be a part of some pretty incredible experiences and some pretty incredible teams? Yeah, you know, I've learned to love the game in a different way. I mean, think about that. I I grew up loving the game of baseball as a kid. You know, I played Stratomatic. I watched you know, baseball all the time. I dreamed of being in the big leagues. Then you get a chance to do it. Then I coach. Then I play. Uh, have all these wonderful experiences. Then I and I get to be around it again as a broadcaster. And I almost kind of go back to the to the fan place now. I'm not I'm not a player. I recognize that I had my chance, uh, but yet I can still explore almost philosophically and almost at a at a deep level why I love the game, uh, which almost goes beyond what you experience as a player. You know, you play. And that's, you know, it's work and you love it, but, but you've got, you know, you've got some responsibility there. I have more time to maybe think about the game more holistically. And, and I love that uh, as a broadcaster. And, and I do recognize that, 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 you know, the players are the game. It's not about me when I broadcast a game, but, but I love to bring out kind of what baseball means um, to fans and what it means to our country and what it means to these players uh, to compete in, in front of 40,000 plus people. And, and, and to me, that's the joy of it. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, obviously the best, in my mind, at least the, the best job in the world is to, is to still be around baseball and to get a chance to cover it uh, day in and day out. Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing. And, and we talk about these ballots, Rick, and how hard the decisions are for fans because of just the incredible players and the incredible teams that are represented. But if you think about the guys that you've played with, played against, and now covered as a broadcaster, the number will continue to grow. But you think about the number of Hall of Famers, the number of MVPs, Cy Youngs, yeah. all-star yeah. games. It's remarkable, remarkable. We just had a fantasy camp, and we had, uh, I think, six Hall of Famers at the fantasy camp. You've got Whitey Herzog, you've got Ozzie Smith, you've got the newly elected, uh, soon to be elected. I mean, they're elected, but the, the, to be enshrined, Ted Simmons and Larry Walker, both at the fantasy camp. Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, and you got Rick Hummel there who covered uh, the game of baseball and is a is a Hall of Famer as well. I mean, just kind of one after another. Bruce Souter uh, and and to see uh, that 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 latest uh, documentary that came out mostly about the '82 team to see Bruce Souter, yeah, a young Bruce Souter striking out Gorman Thomas. I mean, if you're a if you're a fan of the game, if you're a fan, especially of Cardinal baseball, you know it kind of transcends and should transcend kind of your moment in time, your guys. And, and include kind of a wider history of that. And I think that's what the Hall of Fame does for us. It gives us kind of that chance to sit back and say, you know what, we go from from Branch Rickey to uh, Frankie Frisch to Pepper Martin to Stan Musial to Red Shandings to Albert Bowles to Jack Flaherty. And that's kind of, kind of what it means to be a Cardinal fan, and that's what I love about it. Wow, that's a pretty good way to put it into perspective. Again, fans, you'll have the chance to vote. Beginning in March on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot at cardinals.com slash HOF. Rick, we'll uh, kick it around for a couple more minutes after this break. Do you want to get your thoughts on a couple things going on around baseball right now as we get closer to spring training? Chris Raby joined by Rick Horton. This 6 o'clock hour on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. And we're back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Now's the time to pick up the essential item for every Redbird fan, the official 2020 Cardinals calendar featuring signature artwork of team photographers, spring training and regular season schedules and more. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers or by calling 314-345-9000. We'll give one away right now as well. Caller 3 at 314-531-1120. Chris Raby joined by Rick Horton on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Rick, we worked our way through the Hall of Fame ballot, but now let's talk about some stuff going on around baseball. And yesterday, with teams getting ready to head to their respective spring trainings, a blockbuster trade as Mookie Betts is traded to the Dodgers along with David Price. A couple of prospects back to Boston, one from L.A., one from Minnesota. Kenta Maeda heads from the Dodgers to the Twins. Your reaction as an MVP 
who has not yet reached free agency, was traded. Well, well, my first reaction is uh, the Dodgers, uh, who were already a very good uh, and, and well-heeled club, just got better. I mean, that's my first reaction. Mookie Betts is a premier player in the game, and you throw a premier player in the middle of a lineup that already has some premier players, just does something for the psyche of a team that's that's extraordinary. And, and, and it's going to be – I'm going to enjoy watching him play, frankly. I mean, you, we've got more – kind of American League players coming over to the National League. Think about this. We got Machado last year. You get bets this year. You know, the the American League dominated for so many years in interleague play, but that was not true in 2019. And and I just think that's interesting that we're getting more of kind of these big-name players coming coming back to the National League. I know most people don't think of uh, American anymore, but I'm kind of old school in that regard, where there was always a little bit of uh, competition between the two. So, so I, I think that's interesting. But you know, the, the other, I guess, uh, the other thing I think is 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 you know the the, the Cardinals uh, still, of course, have to kind of find a way to compete, and, and and that's not their world. That their world is not to make this big splash with a guy like like Mookie Betts. So you know, I kind of understand that. Uh, but uh, you know, I, honestly, I'm, I'm just. Uh, dying to watch the Dodgers Cardinals uh, go at it and, and see Mookie Betts play. Yeah, and David Price, too. I know that he's owed certainly yeah. a lot of money. The Red Sox will reportedly pick about half of that up, but still a guy who could be a, a huge weapon and, and maybe a guy who could help them get over the hump of the postseason because of what he's done in his career. Yeah, and, and it is great, too, that we're talking about, you know, we just spent the last few segments talking about the, the Hall of Fame, which talks about decades past, but there's always the new horizon of what's next with baseball. And, and it's cool that we can kind of try to figure out, okay, what does that mean uh, for um, you know, teams going forward, and what you know is David Price going to be uh, able to to replace Ryu in that in that rotation for the Dodgers, and and so it's kind of like we're talking about the past, but now the the present just jumps right back on you again uh, because it's uh, nearing spring, and and that's the beauty of baseball is the unknown, and you know will Mookie Betts uh, be able to hit at Dodger Stadium like he does at Fenway Park when you know where left field is. Uh, 210 feet away, or at least seems like it. I mean, I think he will. I mean, there's no question he's he's a top-notch player, but there's all kinds of what-ifs and what's going to happen. Will Price uh, be kind of renewed with a new team and a new place and get back to the level that that he was at, you know, several years ago? All those make baseball great, and uh, I just – Always looking forward to, to, to day one, and that starts in spring training. Yeah, and you certainly wonder if this will maybe affect the trade market at all now that Betts mm-hmm. has been moved. And you also wonder if the Cardinals will alter the look of their lineup between now and uh, not just spring training getting going, but certainly over the next uh, seven weeks or so until opening day. Yeah, I think what's really happened in the game now, especially from the Cardinals' point of view, you think about the National League, You know, who, who do the Cardinals compete against? Well, you compete against all other 14 teams in the National League, but but your main competition is in the division. You win your division, then kind of all bets are off once you get you know to the to the postseason. I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted that. Well, several few people predicted that the Cardinals would 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 uh, beat the Braves, especially you know as, as as well as the Braves finished. But yet it happens. So you get to the postseason. Who knows? Uh, now the Nationals, of course, uh, got got hot at the right time, and that's what happens with with a World Series winner. You get hot at the right time. But the key is, what about your division? Well, these are the questions that we will ask and discuss and dissect over the next few weeks into spring training as we get closer and closer to the regular season, closer and closer to Cardinals baseball. Rick, always enjoy uh, this chat as the Hall of Fame ballot is unveiled and can't wait to see you down in Florida. Thanks so much, man. We'll see you soon. Right. You bet. Right around. Take a break. Hour two coming up. Mike Claiborne will join me to kick things off in our second hour of the program. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you. We're back in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here to swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network.
Hour number two of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, the last show before we come to you live from Jupiter, Florida, and Cardinals Spring Training. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, and we head south right now and welcome in Mike Claiborne, who joins us on the program. Clips, what's going on? How are things in Florida? Things are going well, Chris. Uh, good weather today. Uh, a lot of players have already shown up for spring training. I uh, went over to the ballpark today, and I bet you had as many as 15 to 20 guys on the big league roster that are here and a lot of minor league guys that are here as well. All the catchers seem to be here. So uh, we had some bullpens thrown yesterday. So everybody's ready to go. Yeah, you can tell when things start to get serious, when you see less uh, guys wearing shorts and the pants start to come out. This is true. Um, you know, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, there was a time when you would get ready for spring training. Now you have to be ready before you get here. And you need to be a little bit further ahead if you're trying to make the roster. And there's, there's a few jobs that are going to be open. I think there's going to be some really interesting competition in certain areas. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's talk about uh, what we spent our first hour on the show going over, and that is the new group of candidates for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Steve Carlton, Keith Hernandez, Tom Herr, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, Lee Smith, and John Tudor. Those in uh, alphabetical order. And Klaib's two guys will be inducted this summer and once again an absolutely stacked ballot. Yeah, you know what, Chris? I don't know if there's a wrong answer here. I think everybody here is certainly deserving. To me, there are a couple of guys that it should be no-brainers. I, I don't know why Lee Smith is on the list considering that A is in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And he accomplished something that no other Cardinal relievers have ever been able to do. Where he, had, he averaged 39 saves in a three-year period. Only Jason Isringhausen, who who did the same thing, and he's already in the Cardinal Hall of Fame. So, you know, why Lee's on the ballot, I have no idea. But, you know, uh, it's going to be fun to see how that unfolds. And, you know, Steve Carlton is an interesting guy because he really didn't really shine until he was in Philadelphia. But when you look at his record when he was in St. Louis, it was pretty good, 77 and 62. And, you know, he, he was a pretty good, promising guy. But I think we all remember him from his days in Philadelphia where he was just lights out. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, case, Klaibs, with the guys on this ballot. I think, too, of Keith Hernandez and the time that he's spent on the ballot. And, you know, I guess known maybe especially for younger fans as uh, a New York Met, and I know Seinfeld and now his broadcasting has a lot to do with that. But holy cow, his best years and, you know, the years in the National League, including that MVP, uh, including a handful of gold gloves, they all happened in St. Louis. Yeah, you're right. He had 299 in St. Louis. He had 297 with the Mets. He was an MVP here in St. Louis. And, and he had 344 that year. And he was a co-MVP with Willie Stargell. But, you know, that was nothing he couldn't do. So I, I think that he's, to me, he's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, how about uh, the rest of the ballot? And again, guys that have been part of so many incredible moments, and you start to look at the names every year, and it's hard to pick just two because Tom Herr, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, John Tudor, all those guys I know have special connections to different fans and fans of different eras and different teams uh, within the Cardinals organization and history, Clibs. Well, you're right, Chris, and I, I look at a guy like Tommy Herr, who had an incredible season where he, he had 110 RBIs in one season with just eight home runs, you know, and he hit over 300. And I think his on-base percentage was like around 380. I mean, he was just, it was just a complete season for him, but he was a solid player every year he was in a Cardinal uniform. I mean, he, he did some things. When you talk about great Cardinal second baseman, you know, I, yeah, I go back to Javier, um, you know, Tommy Hurst in that discussion with Javier, and we've had a few other guys who weren't here as long, and now we've got Colton Wong, who seems like he's well on his way to be having a very illustrious career in St. Louis also. You know, I think it's these kind of debates that are exactly what uh, the DeWitt family and the Cardinals were hoping for when they instituted the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum Clubs, and it's so fun for fans to be able to have these conversations. We'll talk with all of these guys on the show for fans to be able to vote, and I think for a lot of fans to maybe think about memories, think about oftentimes the guys and the teams that made them Cardinal fans. There's no doubt about it, and I think you just touched on something. When you look at each guy and you look at what Carlton did late in his uh, tour duty in St. Louis and how good those teams could have been, certainly in 68, and, you know, they blew up the team in 69. Lee Smith was on some teams that didn't have enough offense, but he's the only reason why they were in ball games. And as I mentioned, when you average 39 saves over three years, you're doing something right. Tommy Hurd was on some of the best Cardinal teams of the 80s for sure. And then you look at a guy like Renteria, who was really kind of like the beginning of the 
Cardinal renaissance with under Tony La Russa. He hit well. He was almost a 300 hitter. He was a gold glover. He did a lot of things that he shored up the middle of the infield. We've already touched on Keith Hernandez and John Tudor's tour of duty here was better than anywhere else he ever pitched. And uh, he was involved in some very big games. And as you touched on, for those fans in the 80s, they remember John Tudor. They remember the, the streak he had where he was just he couldn't get it done. He made one little adjustment and nobody could hit him after that point. So there were so many memories that come with these players from an individual standpoint. Even Tommy Hurd, when the uh, we had the seat night, the seat cushion night, where he hit the grand slam and all the 45,000 plus seat cushions were thrown onto the field. Yeah. Everybody was celebrating that night. So there's so many fun things that you will have as far as memories of these players that, again, I don't think there's a wrong answer in selecting anyone. Mike Claiborne is with us from Florida. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin, hour two of the program. Yeah, it was fun to talk with Rick Horton about the Cardinals Hall of Fame candidates, and we'll have plenty more coverage throughout the spring as we talk with these guys and get you ready for voting. And then eventually one of the best weekends of the summer, the induction ceremony this summer at Ballpark Village. Klaibs, let's talk about what's going on around Major League Baseball. And there have been a couple of big names that have been rumored to be on the move. This offseason, the Cardinals have been connected through some reports to the Rockies and Nolan Arenado. And now Mookie Betts is traded from the Boston Red Sox to the Los Angeles Dodgers. We'll give you the full details uh, in a moment, but just your initial reaction. I know that on a personal level, you know Mookie is family, but to see a player like this at his age with what he's accomplished being traded from one big market team to another, uh, your first initial take. Here we go. He just made our job a little harder. Uh, you know, he's a complete player. And when you look at that lineup, Chris, in the National League, I think when you look at the Dodger lineup, you look at the Reds lineup, uh, those are two lineups that are going to get your attention right off the bat. They don't have an easy out. And the pressure of trying to produce when you have guys hitting in front of you and behind you isn't going to be as great. Now, they're going to have pressure in winning because they should win the whole thing if you look at them on paper. But as we learned this year, you still have to go out and play the game. But I, I think that's it's a huge deal. Uh, I, I commend the Dodgers and the Red Sox in being creative and getting another team involved. You know, we don't see the multi-team deals done as often as maybe we should think about it, but they found the correct dance partners and everybody's going to walk away a little bit better than what they were before the deal was made. Although the Red Sox are going to probably suffer a little bit, but they feel like they've got some good young players for their future. Yeah, so Mookie Betts, David Price, they head from Boston to the Dodgers along with Cash from Boston for Price's contract. The Red Sox get a couple of prospects, Alex Verdugo from the Dodgers and Bruce Starr Gratterall from the Twins. And the Twins get Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers. I'm just wondering, Claves, we've seen the Red Sox especially as they've had a couple of different versions of their organization and a couple of kind of quick rebuilds over the past 20 years since they won that first uh, World Series to break the drought in 2004. We've seen them move some big contracts, but can you think of an MVP player and a player who's accomplished as much as Mookie Betts has to be traded like this before reaching free agency? No, uh, I haven't. And, and I think that there are a lot of things that went into that. I, I think the Red Sox really knew they couldn't re-sign him. I think that was... That, I think that was made clear by somebody that he wasn't coming back. The David Price thing, I think they got as much out of him as they thought they could. But I don't think you can reload as quickly, Chris, because not only do you have the Yankees that are making a statement, the Tampa Bay Rays have made a le legitimate statement that they're going to be around for a while. So as far as trying to win the division, it's going to be even more challenging. And I think as a wild card, with what we've seen Minnesota do, I expect the White Sox to be better, the Oakland I don't know if the wild card is even in the future for them for at least the next two years. Let's and they don't even know what they have because I, I think the Chris Sale thing, you talk about a hand grenade with a pin pulled on it. We don't know what they're going to get out of him. I mean, when you have a bum elbow like he's had and the velocity isn't there and things of that nature, they're going to be on the hook to him for, what, 30 million bucks a year for the next five years? Yeah, it's a team that is going to look a lot different. And I think about, you know, some of the money they had to move, uh, you know, when um, Theo Epstein and, and his group left, Carl Crawford, Adrian Gonzalez, some of those trades. But the Red Sox only got two prospects. They got Alex Verdugo, who I guess is a prospect uh, older but viewed similarly in the industry as Dylan Carlson. He's a top 30, top 40 prospect in baseball. The 21-year-old pitching prospect that they got from the Twins looks to be potentially a top-of-the-rotation guy, maybe like the Cardinals got in Libertor, but, you know, 
none of those guys are for certain, especially going into a market like Boston where those two guys, Klaibs, for better or for worse, will always be the two guys that were traded for Mookie freaking bets. No, you're right. Uh, and I think that the the exposure that they're going to get and the pressure that's going to be put on them, I don't know if they can handle it or not. And you're right. They're always going to remember this deal. And it's just it's a real roll of the dice for a first year general manager to throw that into the equation. Yeah. Where he, he's kind of been saddled with this situation. It was almost like when John Mozeliak took over as general manager of the Cardinals and the first thing order of business he had to deal with was Scott Rowland saying, I want to be traded. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's never easy and you just don't know how much of an impact or how much influence he had on whether they were going to keep Betts and or David Price. Um, They got a package deal out of it, but man, they better really find some other prospects. And if you're a, J.D. Martinez, what are you thinking right now? You know, you had the chance to opt out, and you said, ah, I'll stick around. We're going to be okay. Well, you're not going to be okay. And it could be some long nights in Boston. Yeah, it's a good question. I wonder if uh, Martinez, because of the looming opt-out, could also become a guy who's a candidate to be moved by that team. And you wonder if anything is off the table for that new regime. Uh, last question, Klebs. How do you think this affects the rest of the trade market? And now that the Dodgers have made their big move, they have been connected to so many guys. The Red Sox have moved bets. Do you think there's any clarity now in terms of what a team like the Rockies could be asking for Nolan Arenado if they're oh, now motivated so. to move him? And, and certainly now yeah. they're looking uphill at the Dodgers even more so than before. No, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. And let's throw the Chicago Cubs in the same situation with Chris, Chris Bryant. Uh, they've got to make a decision as well. And I think that if you don't do the deal now, I think you get even less later because with the years of control, if you wait until the All-Star break, that means you have a year and a half of control if you're the Cubs or the, or the Rockies. In Mookie Betts' case, you would have only had a half a year of control. Now they feel like they can go all in and re-sign him. But I think the longer you wait, the less value you get in return. And the less value you get in return is going to get your fans even more upset with you and not making the deal sooner, if not making it at all. All right, that's Mike Claiborne down in Florida. Chris Raby with you as well. Just underway, hour two of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Going to talk to Brian Finch from the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum coming up. Also the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon. All of that and more over the next hour. Don't forget Cardinals single game tickets go on sale Friday. They start at just $5. The upcoming season is filled with great matchups, including two Cubs weekends, a rare weekend series with the New York Yankees, and more. Details at cardinals.com. Back after this break on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. We'll get Mike Shannon's thoughts on the Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot coming up in our next segment, but it's always great to have Brian Finch join us from the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum. Brian, you guys have done it again. What an incredible ballot with seven fantastic former Cardinals that fans will have to somehow choose between again this spring and this summer. Well, that's right, and I can't take credit for it. It's really our uh, Cardinals Red Ribbon Committee, which uh, Tom Ackerman is a member of as your sports director and a number of other uh, you know, media members throughout St. Louis and the region, as well as three of our Hall of Famers, uh, Tony La Russa, Wadi Herzog, and Joe Torrey is a member this year as uh, you know, a few of our former managers. And, of course, Torrey was a player as well. So a lot of fun to have those uh, men and women represented to give their you know, knowledge, you know, and, you know, the history and all these things coming together for Cardinals fans. They put that ballot together, and now it's the fans' opportunity to vote, and their top two vote-getters um, will be these, this year's modern Hall of Famers. And the voting starts in March. It will wrap up in mid-April, and um, we'll make that announcement in early May as to who the new uh, Cardinals Hall of Famers will be. It's pretty amazing, Brian, to look up and down the ballot and the guys that uh, represent different eras, the guys that represent, I'm sure, different baseball and Cardinal memories for fans. And, you know, right off the top, Steve Carlton, pretty incredible. Carlton, uh, you wonder what he could have done with the Cardinals if he had remained with the club, but certainly a Hall of Famer in his own right and one of the best that uh, we've ever seen from the left side on the mound. There's no bigger question of what if, you know, when it comes to players and transactions than, you know, Steve Carlton and franchise history and had he remained here 
you know, we might be looking at a few more pennants or world championships or whatnot. But he still did some pretty great things here. 77 wins as a, a pitcher here. Got to start here in St. Louis as part of that 67 championship and, of course, the pennant the following year. And um, really for this ballot, you know, he represents those uh, 1960s years. And, and, of course, we've got some players that uh, represent the decades uh, following that. Yeah, and one of the uh, Hall of Famers who joined Carlton in Cooperstown last year, Lee Smith. One of the best closers and certainly a guy that Cardinals fans think of when they think of just a fiery competitor. Great to have Lee Smith on the ballot. Until Isringhausen, Lee was the Cardinals franchise leader for saves. And, of course, he was the you know baseball's leader for saves for so many years. And it's nice to see him get the recognition he deserves you know, across Major League Baseball as a Hall of Famer now. Yeah, Brian, uh, the induction ceremony will be this summer at Ballpark Village a couple of weeks ago, part of winter warm-up. MLB Network, Fran Charles, were in town with some of the members of the teams from the 1980s, including Tom Herr, for the screening of the new film about Whitey Herzog's 1980s Cardinals teams, Birds of a Different Game. And a couple of those guys from those teams represented on the ballot as well. Not just her, as I mentioned, but also, how about John Tudor? A uh, fantastic, fantastic pitcher in his own right. And Keith Hernandez, uh, my goodness, a guy who, again, went on to go and play for the Mets. But when you think defense and, and when you think the kinds of Cardinals teams uh, that had a lot of success in the 1980s under Whitey Herzog, Keith was, was such a big part of the reason why. In some sense, Keith Hernandez does stick out a little bit. Ten seasons, you know, a decade in the Cardinals uniform, um, was that National League co-MVP in 1979. And Whitey Herzog, as a member of that Red Room Committee, talked about and consistently talks about in that committee meeting how Keith Hernandez changed how the position of first base was played from a defensive perspective. And then when you look, you know, as you're looking, you know, across the infield, Tom Hurt was right next to him. And, you know, her, of course, when you look at his stats, how many years did her and Ozzie Smith lead the league in double plays? And so um, when we think of Whitey Ball and we think speed and defense, well, there's the right side of your infield right there. Don't want to overlook John Tudor. Of course, he wasn't here in 82, but, it, you know, didn't make his um, presence known in 85. And what a season he had in 1985. Um, didn't get off for the greatest of starts, but boy, did he have a finish when 21 after June 1st. Um, you know, I think he had 10 complete game shutouts that year. And my, what a season. And, and you know, if not for that pitcher over there with the Mets, you know, he would have had a Cy Young Award that season as well. And then, of course, Brian, a couple of guys who are part of some unbelievable teams. The first half of the 2000s, Matt Morris and Edgar Renteria, just some uh, remarkable years and some incredible, incredible Cardinal teams. And I know that teams and players that a lot of guys our age uh, are the reason that we uh, fell in love and, and really fell in love with the game. You know, it's interesting with Matt Morris. We hear from Tony LaRusso as the manager of those clubs. You know, Morris came in 97. Of course, LaRusso, you know, was here in 96. But we talk about uh, the winning ways. And while LaRusso did have the club in 96 that made it to the NLCS, when we think of these clubs, you know, in the 2000s that really had the success that we think about now with, you know, this current generation of winning Cardinals teams – Matt Morris was really sort of the start from the pitching, you know, the rotation that, that helped get the movement going. And Edgar Renteria, from a position player perspective, was really the player that was the last piece of the puzzle. And it's neat to have these two players represented on this ballot in this way, very underrated in some sense. Morris just doesn't get the credit that is due. The, the pitcher has over 100 wins in a Cardinals uniform, 18 complete games, uh, eight shutouts. Really was a fantastic pitcher. And just didn't stick around uh, quite long enough, you know, to really see that championship in 2006. He he was gone uh, following the 2005 season. And the same thing for Renteria. He had the big season through 2004 and then um, left over a, you know, we look back now and say kind of a minor contract dispute. And Cardinals have put an offer out there and he, he you know, belled and, and went somewhere else. But had some great seasons here between 99 and 2004 and was really an outstanding player for us. Uh, still holds a few records in Cardinals history. Brian Finch from the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum. Thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Well, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament is coming to Enterprise Center March 5th through the 8th. And let's give away some tickets, six ticket vouchers for any single session of the 2020 MBC Men's Basketball Tournament. March 5th through the 8th. For more information, go to archmadness.com, caller 3. Right now, we'll get six vouchers for any single session of the tournament. Caller 3 at 
5311120. We're back in a moment. The voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon, joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarant on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amarin, Chris Raby, and Mike Claiborne with you on the Cardinals Radio Network. And it's great to have the voice of the Cardinals, Mike Shannon, join us on the program. Mike, how are you? Well, I'm doing fine. Uh, Everything's really going well down here in Florida. Early camp, uh, a lot of the players here that are injured are working out, including uh, our former closer who... uh, it looks like he won't be ready until uh, the middle of this coming season. Yeah, he's probably a guy, Mike, that we'll see after the All-Star break. But you're right. He mm-hmm. looks physically, he's impressive. And, you know, yeah. he, he's a little bit ahead of schedule. But I think we've all learned once you go through this surgery, you're never right right after right after you come off of it. Yeah, the starters are, are better than the relievers. And, and, and the reason is, is because, you know, the reliever, he's got to be ready on an everyday basis where the starter, he's every five days. Mike Shannon's with us on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Speaking of starters and relievers and great position players, we have once again our candidates for this year's Cardinals Hall of Fame class, just in alphabetical order, Steve Carlton, Keith Hernandez, Tommy Herr, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, Lee Smith, and John Tudor. And guys, Mike, what an incredible list once again. It's going to be another tough job for fans to try to narrow it down for two to be inducted this summer. You know, there's four guys that are legitimate uh, inductees, and yeah, but I think Carlton will be the first guy to go, and then it'll be up to Keith Hernandez and Lee Smith and Tommy Herr. I mean, all those guys, John Tudor, they're all in the same boat, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But I think Steve Carlton will be uh, the first one, and then uh, maybe uh, Hernandez and Lee Smith after that. Yeah, you know, Mike, I was a little surprised that Lee Smith was on the list. He's already in the in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, as is Steve Carlton. And when you look at his body of work here in St. Louis, you know, he and Jason Isinghausen are the only two guys who had who averaged thirty nine saves over a three year period. So I thought he would already be grandfathered in, but that's not the case. But I certainly think Keith Hernandez has got to be at the top of the list at this point as well. Well, there, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And you can't argue with any of the uh, inductees, if it's Carlton and Hernandez or Lee Smith or Tommy Herr or John Tudor, Matt Morris. But I think that Carlton and uh, uh, Lee Smith, and uh, as you say, Mike, they're already in the Hall of Fame. But Lee Smith, it took him forever to get in there, and he had more saves than anybody. I think there were days when I he was so good that I had to leave the booth and go down behind home plate. And, and, and just see, you know, he, he threw a 90-plus slider and it was on the black all the time. And you, you just shake your head. How can a guy do that? And he was so uh, well-liked with the, his teammates, the uh, writers, everyone. It's just a mystery that he wasn't in the uh, Cooperstown Hall of Fame a lot sooner than he was. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you, one, one guy that's on the list, this is first year, and that's Tommy Hurd. And, and you mm-hmm. had a chance to see him a lot, and, and he did something I don't think we'll ever see again, having 110 RBIs with just eight home runs. That is correct. I mean, that ball club that Whitey heard, they call it Whitey Ball, but, you know, they were really good defensively also. You know, Ozzy Smith was their shortstop, and you had a, a heck of a third baseman in the Zamboni machine, and then – at second base and at first base was Keith Hernandez. They say Keith Hernandez might have been the uh, the smoothest of all the first basemen, and I'll tell you, Keith Hernandez was like 36th in the draft. He went in the 36th round. So, <laughs> wow! <laughs> for those guys that are drafted late, you know, there's there's so many different people that are in the the Hall of Fame. And I'm when I talk about the Hall of Fame, I'm talking about Cooperstown, and uh, it's the same in the National Football League. You know, if those first-round draft choices really have a tough time getting in, it's the guys that were taken from the second to the tenth that are, are just – they're all over the National Football League Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, the first-round draft choices that the Cardinals have had in the past uh, few years have been just outstanding. But Steve Carlton, when uh, you know, when he was with the Cardinals, he just had a fastball and a curveball. But then when he came up with that little dinky slider, it was all over but the shower, man. 
you, you know, that first year over in Philadelphia, he won like 60 or 50-some percent of the games that they won. Oh, yeah, he had 27 wins. And can you imagine uh, that was one of his four Cy Youngs if he had been on those Cardinals teams with Whitey, especially in 80 and, and 82. He won the Cy Young each of those two years in front of that defense. The numbers, who knows, if he would have given up a run all year. Well, I mean, I played third base behind him, and uh, uh, I used to play uh, Clemente. Uh, even with the base and way off the line, that's because all he had then was a fastball and a curveball. And so Clemente would uh, he would uh, get on top of that uh, curveball of uh, Carlton, which was a great curveball, I want to tell you something. And uh, then he just hit a little topper. And, of course, the way he ran, I know I took a lot of base hits away from him. Then one day he hung it, and uh, – he hung the curveball, and he almost killed me with a line drive. <laughs> it's a good thing it was it was bell tie because if it was any other place, it would have just hit me wherever it wanted to. <laughs> you know, he he was a special guy, and, and you, like you said, you play with him. But you know, I, I'm going to touch on something Chris said about maybe anybody scoring on him. Can you imagine if he'd have been you know, on a team with the Whitey had with the defense? You know, we're talking about a guy who probably would have won 30 games, and I don't think we say that a lot. Can you imagine if he'd have had just a little bit more help? <laughs> I don't think he needed much help with that fastball, curveball, and then when he came up with that slider, man, I'm telling you, that that little dinky slider, and I say dinky slider because it was, it would it would just fool the right-handed batter so so poorly. I mean, he would look so poorly uh, swinging at it. And then it, it, what it did for the right hand, you know, if you look at the, his record with the Cardinals, he'd win 20 and then he'd lose 20. And the reason was because he wouldn't throw the right-handers inside. Well, he came up with that little slider, and he'd throw it inside, and, and that sufficed. I mean, that was all over but the shouting. It was like Kofax. When I faced Kofax, I, I looked for his fastball high and outside in a box, and one day he hit it. You know, he hit my bat, and I got a two-run homer off him, beat him two-to-one in the eighth inning in Los Angeles. Well, the next time I faced him was a fastball inside. I said, whoa, it's all over but the shower now. <laughs> Mike Shannon's with us for another couple of minutes as we talk Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. You know, speaking of those teams in the 80s, guys, and, and under Whitey, how about John Tudor, who's back on the ballot? That incredible right. second half he had in 85, finishes second in the Cy Young, and Man, you think about the last few decades, John Tudor, Jack Flaherty, are those about as two of the most dominant stretches you've seen over a couple of months by a Cardinals starting pitcher, especially second half of the season when the pressure's on? There's no doubt about it, but still you've got the name recognition, and I see Carlton and uh, Lee Smith and Keith Hernandez have that name recognition, but uh, you know, you know, Tommy Herr and what he did for that ball club, I mean, there's so many people that, that are jammed in there that <laughs> I don't know what the heck they're going to do. If I had a vote, it would be Steve Carlton first, and then it would be Keith Hernandez and Lee Smith, and I think I'd just have to flip a coin. <laughs> yeah, and, and Mike, something that Klebs and I were talking about earlier, I think the cool thing about this voting is that fans of all different ages and generations and families, oh, yeah. they all have their own unique connection, and a lot of these guys and a lot of these teams every year are how fans fell in love with baseball and with the Cardinals. And that's why John Tudor, Matt Morris, and Edgar Renteria have a great chance of getting in also because uh, just as what you say, Chris, that everybody gets the vote. You know, it's the guy. You know, I played golf today with a guy from uh, up uh, around New York, okay? And he said, and when he found out who I was, he said, man, I was a Cardinal fan back in the 40s. And he said, Johnny Mize, wasn't he with I said, yeah, but he was in the 40s, not the 60s. I was the 60s. But, you know, we've had so many Cardinal fans so long, and one of them is because of KMOX, you know. KMOX was the first. Well, they went into to, uh, 48 states and six Canadian provinces. So, uh, you know, when the sun went down, everybody could get to the Cardinal games on KMOX. And, and so the people on the East Coast and the West Coast, they tell stories about the the, the general manager of the Dodgers, him and a buddy going up on a hill and turning the car radio on and getting getting KMOX in Los Angeles. Mike Shannon, the voice of the Cardinals, and we'll be back on the radio in just a couple of weeks, guys. Can't wait. Uh, starting right. next week, we'll have our show down from Florida. I know you guys are keeping the grass green and uh, uh, the golf courses, not that you're in any bunkers, but making sure as you pass by on your way to the green in two shots that the bunkers are raked. And can't wait to see both you guys in the sunshine next week. 
only 82 degrees today. Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll make sure I, I don't pack any of this uh, freezing rain with me as we head down this weekend. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thanks, guys. Finish celebrating Valentine's weekend with Valentine's Brunch at Cardinals Nation on Sunday, February 16th. This $45 brunch includes a bottomless mimosa, Bloody Mary, and Bellini Bar, plus free admission to the Cardinals Museum. Also, check out the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Mike Shannon, a part of that. Reserve your table today at cardinals.com. Well, we've been uh, talking about the upcoming season. Some great dates, some great weekend dates, and a great opportunity for you to get single-game tickets. We'll talk about that next with Joe Strom. Chris Raby with you. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. It's the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amarin. Chris Raby with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network, and we welcome in the Vice President of Ticket Sales, a very busy man with the Cardinals right now. He is Joe Strom, and he joins us on the program. Joe, how are you? I am doing well. How are you today, Chris? Very good. I know an exciting day on Friday, and we'll get to that in a moment, but tell us how everything's going this offseason. I know that uh, a lot of excitement over at the ballpark in Ballpark Village, and you guys are, are selling tickets once again fast this offseason. Well, it's been a busy offseason, uh, but we are now to the point where all tickets will be on sale as of this week. Uh, individual tickets sell, individual tickets go on sale on Friday at 10 o'clock, cardinals.com. But if you don't have to wait till Friday, if you want to purchase three or more games, you can purchase those right now by going to cardinals.com. Average person comes to about four games a year, so why wait? Go ahead and get those tickets right now. Yeah, pretty exciting. Again, single-game tickets on sale Friday at 10, but you can purchase single games right now. If you purchase three or more, cardinals.com, the best way to purchase tickets, cardinals.com. You can also uh, head over to Bush or What a home schedule it is this year once again, Joe, with some great weekend dates, great promotional dates. And I think maybe the biggest selling point is that tickets more affordable, I think, than people ever think. They start at just five bucks. Last year, 88% of games featured tickets available for $10 or less. And half the games, more than half the games, $5 or less to get in with tickets. Yeah, that's amazing. And at the end of the day, we want it to be affordable for families to come to the game. Uh, price shouldn't be a reason for not coming to the ballpark. And again, it's uh, we have many, many games that start as low as $5. So we want to see Bush Stadium full, and we want to see a lot of families there as well. Joe Strom is with us. Again, single-game tickets on sale Friday at 10 o'clock, but you can get yours right now if you purchase three or more games. Go to cardinals.com. How about uh, some of the great matchups that I just mentioned? The Cubs, obviously, will be in for a couple of four-game weekend series. We'll also see the Yankees over a weekend, which is fantastic. We'll see the American League East. Uh, We've got the 4th of July on a Saturday this year. The Brewers will be in. Uh, The schedule and and the weekend dates are just, uh, I think, loaded this summer, Joe, and and certainly great opportunities whether folks are in town or coming in from out of town. Yeah, I've worked for the Cardinals for over 30 years, and this has to be one of the best home schedules that we've ever had. You look at the summer, just look at the summer weekends alone. I mean, you have Cincinnati in June. You have Milwaukee here over 4th of July. You have back-to-back weekends in July with Yankees and Cubs. It doesn't get much better than that. So uh, it's not only loaded up with great teams coming in, but they're coming in on the weekend as well. So that's going to be great for all of Cardinal Nation. And then you mentioned the Yankees in particular. It's been a while since they've been here. And so it's going to be fun to see the uh, see the Bronx Bombers come into town. Certainly the great promotional dates as well, over 50 of them, uh, seven bobbleheads, seven replica jerseys that will be given away as part of the promotions. And uh, also, Joe, folks can can go and can pick the promotional dates they want. Again, three or more games, you can buy your single-game tickets now. Otherwise, on sale Friday at 10. You're exactly right. Now is the time to buy. People always ask, how do I get the best seats? Well, the best way to do it is purchase now, and you'll get the best seats in the ballpark and get the games on your schedule and uh, be at the ballpark a number of times this year. Joe Strom, single-game tickets on sale Friday, 10 a.m. at cardinals.com, or if you purchase three or more, you can get them right now at cardinals.com. Joe, anything else that, that folks need to know as we move along through the offseason and uh, your ticket inventory continues to be available to fans? Well, ticket sales are going very well this offseason. We're going to see over $3 million again at Bush Stadium, so 
I would make the decision to purchase now and uh, make sure you're at the ballpark many times throughout the season. Joe Strom, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at the ballpark soon. Very good. Glad baseball's starting. Join Cardinals manager Mike Schilt as he hosts the Cardinals Care RBI Golf Classic on Thursday, May 7th at Norwood Hills Country Club. This unique experience will pair foursomes with a Cardinals celebrity, including players, coaches, and alumni. Register today at cardinals.com slash golf. Let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX. Now is the time to pick up the essential item for every Redbird fan, the official 2020 Cardinals calendar, featuring the signature artwork of the team, photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, and four pages of money-saving coupons. Pick up your copy today at St. Louis area retailers or by calling 314-345-9000. We'll give one away right now to a lucky fan. Caller 3 at 314-531-1120. We'll get a Cardinals 2020 official calendar. Thanks to all of our guests today. Thanks to Bill DeWitt III for unveiling that Cardinals Hall of Fame ballot with us and Rick Horton for breaking it down. The players he's played with, against, and covered as a broadcaster. Thank you to Mike Claiborne down in Florida. Mike Shannon as well, the voice of the Cardinals. Brian Finch from the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum and Joe Strom. A big thanks as always to Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, here in our network studios, and Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network. We'll talk to you from Jupiter next week for another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. I'm Chris Raby. Have a great night right here on the Cardinals Radio Network.